Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. I am Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange, and I welcome you to our time of worship together today. I invite you now to join with me in the prayer for illumination as the words are found printed in your bulletin. They'll also be found upon the screen. Let us pray. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verses 5 through 22. I invite you to turn with me, if you so desire, in your own Bible to this very familiar passage of scripture as we look at the story of Noah. Genesis, chapter 6, verses 5 through 22. Hear now these words. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw that the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. A length of the ark, 300 cubits, its width, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above, and put the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower and second and third decks. For my part, I'm going to bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which the breath of life, everything that is on the earth, shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing, of of the ground according to its kind, 
two of every kind shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, all that God commanded him. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I found it quite ironic this morning when it started raining on the day we were going to talk about Noah. And hearing the sound of the thunder, I thought, I could not have planned that. But God has a unique sense of humor and sometimes reminds us he is the one still in control. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, as we give thanks for the opportunity to worship and to praise you, to come alongside one another, to experience being a part of the body of Christ, speak to us today. As we've heard your word read and now as it is to be proclaimed, may we receive what you have prepared for us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today, as individuals and collectively as one body. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. While we're still in the midst of the pandemic, it seems, I'm reminded of times early on in the pandemic when we did not want to hardly even leave the house. We wanted to stay there, did not want to go out and about. And if you did go out and about, we were going in much fear and anxiety. And if you made your way to the grocery store early on, especially, you began to see a lot of empty shelves. And I'm not just talking about the toilet paper aisles. There was a lot of emptiness in the grocery stores, and we would go when we had to, but didn't want to go too often. And there was one particular evening that Jennifer and I knew that our storage was getting a bit bare. Our refrigerator did not have very much in it. Our pantry did not have very much in it. So we wanted to figure out what can we make with what we have so that we did not have to go to the store. And so we started getting different things together, ingredients, and we realized we can make this one particular dish that we like to make. We had just enough. And in fact, in the refrigerator, I had a bag of shredded cheese that was called for to be a part of this entire dish. So we started putting everything together and making it. And I opened up that bag of cheese and it had a smell to it. Now cheese usually, you know, it's got a little bit of an odor to it. And I thought, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. And so we went ahead and we made the casserole dish that we were making. And, and as it begins to cook, you're smelling that smell. And you're thinking... Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But by the time it was completed and we took it out of the oven, we knew it was not fine. But I don't like to waste things. And so I decided to take one for the team and to give it a taste. And all it took was one little taste to realize that this was not going to work. And I was sorry that I had ever even made it. It filled the house with this odor. It filled my taste buds with that taste. It was a horrible experience. And lo and behold, we had to throw it all out and had to go out then and get something. When I think of that, that experience of that being sorry that I even had made it, 
I can't help but think about God and in the story of Genesis. In the story of Genesis, we pick up with the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and God saying, you know what, you can do anything, you can eat anything you want except for this one tree. And very soon, they eat from the one tree. So Adam and Eve are then banished from the Garden of Eden. And then we learn about their sons, Cain and Abel, and how one takes the life of the other, and then he's banished from his family. And as you continue to read through Genesis, you see that generation after generation is worse than the one that came before it. Violence has filled the earth. Everything is corrupt. God looks upon it, and his heart is grieved. Now, can you imagine that grieving heart of God, sorry that he had even made And God says, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with the animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. This this conviction upon God's heart when he looks at humanity and he sees how far and how quickly it had fallen. Violence all around. But Noah, Noah found what? Favor in the sight of God. It's almost difficult to imagine that in the midst of all the corruption and all the violence that God would still be able to see the righteousness and favor of Noah. I had to, to, there had to be this great light to be able to discern between that which was righteous and that which was corrupt and all the violence. I think of when I'm doing the laundry at home, I have to have the lights as bright as I possibly can have them so that I can sort the socks and make sure that black socks and blue socks or brown socks are in the correct pairs. But sometimes I don't always get it right. Uh, One year, as I was a pastor at a church in Fayetteville, we were having time with children. And I invited the children to come forward and gave them a little Bible story. And as inevitably, there was always at least one child that had a lot to say and wanted to take that opportunity to say it. And one young man was pulling on my leg as they had come forward and were sitting on the steps in front of everybody. And he says, Pastor Adam, Pastor Adam. I'm like, Isaiah, not, not yet. Pastor Adam, Pastor Adam. Isaiah, not yet. Let me, let me tell the story. Pastor Adam, Pastor Adam. Yes, Isaiah, would you like to say something? Yes. Why do you have on two different socks? And I looked down, and sure enough, Isaiah had discerned that one was different than the other because the light was bright enough in that sanctuary, unlike when I had helped to fold the laundry. God, God is the source of all light. And that light is able to see that which is corrupt, that which is violent, that which has fallen. And yet God still sees through that light Noah, who has found favor in the sight of the Lord. God is that light. And whatever it was in Noah, God sees him as righteous. And so Noah, God calls on Noah to make a difference. And because Noah was righteous and faithful, Noah was able to make a difference. He was able to make a difference for his family. He was able to make a difference for God's creation. He was able to make a difference for future generations. He was even able to make a difference for God.
And so, according to God's plans, God tells him how to build this ark, how, how long it's supposed to be, what kind of wood it's supposed to be made from, how wide it's supposed to be, how tall it's supposed to be, how there's supposed to be a door on the side that would lower, and then that God would be the one which closes up that door through the rising of the waters, and that it was to gather two of every kind of animal and gather all the food that they would need to eat over this time of this great flood. And Noah listens to God, and he builds an ark for something he can't even imagine yet. He's never experienced a flood, and yet he's being told to build this boat, an ark, which had to seem completely foreign. And as God gives him all the incredible instructions of how to make it, I always found it, it's a curious note to me that he does not tell him to build, uh, to add a steering wheel to be able to guide and direct the boat. There's not even a rudder that is supposed to keep it in going in the right direction, which I find rudderly ridiculous. You knew that was coming. God's going to guide it and direct it exactly where it's supposed to be. It's not for him to have to guide and direct. God is going to handle that. And Noah's righteousness the way that he's lived his life, added to that with his, his faithfulness, having his faith and trust in God, he makes a difference that we all feel even today. So whether we understand exactly what this looks like, I think that God included this story in the scriptures so that we might be able to learn something about the difference that we, as people of God, through our righteousness, through our faithfulness, through our following him, we can make a difference in the world even today. Like Noah, I believe that we can make a difference for our families. And we don't really know anything about Noah's family, his sons before the ark. We learn some about after the flood, but that's for later days. But before, we don't know anything. But we know that because of Noah's righteousness, how Noah has found favor in the sight of God, they are saved from devastation. As God tells them that they can all come upon the ark, God tells him, for my part, I'm going to bring the flood of the waters to the earth to destroy under the heaven all flesh in which there is breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. It's because of Noah's faith. His righteousness, that his family is saved. Your faith makes a difference. And you think it's just about you, but your faith makes a difference in the lives of those around you. Your faith makes a difference in your family. Statistics show that a child is much more likely to become a person of faith when they have seen it modeled and lived out faithfully by their parents. And so many times we may hear about us as parents wanting to build a better life for our children. And so we work harder. We try to earn more. We try to pinch pennies and save money. But if we really want to give our children a head start in life, it begins with a faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do that is more impactful than demonstrating that faithfulness, that commitment to Jesus Christ. My father, uh, I grew up as the son of a United Methodist pastor, but I saw him in church. But what was even more important was I saw him at home. 
And at home, I remember every morning we would get up and it would be time to go to eat breakfast together. And my dad would first of all say the blessing or he'd call upon us to say the blessing. But then dad would read from a little daily devotional. Any of y'all familiar with the upper room? Yeah, yeah, I see that. The upper room, he would open up the upper room and he'd read that daily devotional and we'd hear to start off our day this witness to our faith. And I always found it fascinating. I couldn't wait to find out where the person was from who had written that devotional because every day it may be somebody all the way around the world. And to be able to hear these stories of faith, this was modeled by my father at the start of the day. And then at the close of the day, After we'd say our prayers and I'd hear my mom and dad go to bed, I'd hear them reading the Bible out loud to one another. That instilled something within me. That instilled something. My father's faith that was lived out, his righteousness, was something that made a difference in my life. Noah's faith. I believe that Noah's faithfulness, his righteousness, is something that was passed down And it passed down, and later we'll even talk about how it gets passed down for generations. So like Noah, I believe we can make a difference. But I believe like Noah, Noah also made a difference for God's creation. As God called upon him to take on two of every kind of animal, and even the creeping things and the birds of the air, I've often wondered, why did he have to have snakes? Why could we just have left those off? But he went ahead and he called all these things. What Noah did was preserving God's creation. How God had handcrafted and designed all of this and breathed into it the breath of life. And then Noah calling these animals aboard the ship, the ark. He's providing an example of the way we too are able to participate in caring for God's creation. Back in June, I had the... the wonderful opportunity of taking our middle school youth on our middle school mission trip to Washington, D.C. We had a lot of different projects throughout the week, but one particular day we participated in creation care. There was a place that we went called the Seventh Ward Woods, and the Seventh Ward is one of the more challenging areas of Washington, D.C., and there's a stretch of woods that is alongside one of the highways, and in this difficult area, many people would take their garbage and throw it, just throw it in the woods. And so one whole day, we went into those woods, into the briars, into it all, to begin to take out that garbage, to try to breathe life back into this part of Washington, D.C. I believe that they lived out what it meant to be a part of creation care, And that's something I believe that we are called to do, to be in partnership, to demonstrate the love and care for God's creation so that it's a sustainable place for generations to come, for the animals, for all things, to be able to continue to live as God intended it. And so like Noah, I believe we're called to make a difference and we can make a difference when it comes to caring for God's creation. And like Noah, as I've alluded to, I believe that we can make a difference for generations to come. Noah's choice to be faithful, Noah's choice to be righteous, Noah's choice to be obedient in the building of this ark made an impact that would be felt for generations and generations to come. 
My grandfather concluded his earthly journey at 91 years of age. Granddaddy was named Badger Fenton Seat, and he was born in Oxford, North Carolina, in Granville County. When Granddaddy was born, he was first given the name Robert Fenton Seat, only to find out, his, his parents found out a week or two later that elsewhere in the county, he had another cousin that had been born who had been given the exact identical name. And so, while he was given the name at birth Robert, his name was changed to Badger after a few weeks. I always ask Granddaddy, was it because they badgered your parents into changing the name? But he stuck with that name Badger. You may not know Badger Fenton Seat. But Badger Fenton Seat lived a life of faithfulness, a commitment to God, a commitment to his church. He instilled that faith into his family, demonstrating with the way that he lived, the way that he loved, demonstrating a faithfulness, a righteousness. And that faith was imparted upon his three children, a daughter who would go on to become a Sunday school teacher for generations. So many children had come through her classes. A son who would later become a Methodist minister and served across North Carolina for over 40 years. And another son who joined a men's chorus who had the opportunity to sing and praise God and give him glory all across the state of North Carolina. You may not have known Badger. But now I stand before you as his grandson, and I give thanks for the way that he imparted that faith into the lives of his children, who then were able to impart that faith into the lives of theirs, who then continue that movement of the Spirit of God. Like Noah, we make decisions. Like Noah, we take action that will be felt for generations. In 1832, a group of people gathered together to begin to form a community of faith that would eventually one day become known as Orange United Methodist Church. The decisions of those people to come together to form a community of faith in this part of the area is a decision that we feel even today. And it's remarkable to think how close we are coming to our bicentennial. I give thanks for the decisions and the actions that were made so many years ago. And to think that our decisions and actions today may be felt 200 years later. We can make a difference that will be felt for generations. And like Noah, I believe that we can make a difference for God. God's heart was grieved. God's heart, it was, it was sorry that he had even made humanity. He had sorry it had even happened from the beginning. But in Noah, he saw something. I believe he saw hope. He saw that light. He saw a future. And I believe in our lives and the way that we demonstrate that faithfulness and our righteousness, the way that we demonstrate God's love to any and all, I believe God looks down upon that, and trust me, the world feels like we're back in Genesis chapter 6. We are filled with corruption. We are filled with violence. We are filled with the fallen. But I believe God looks upon the earth, and God can see you. And the difference that you can make, I believe, brings joy back to God's heart. And it doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. You know, Noah was 600 years old when all of this happened. 
So don't tell me you're too old to do something. And it makes me think of when Jesus fed the 5,000. It wouldn't have happened if it had not been a child that comes forward with bread and fish. You're never too young. You're never too old to really make a difference for the kingdom of God. I think that's what we're called to be. We're called to be people that, are make, that make a difference in our world around us. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Salt brings out the flavor. You are the city on the hill, the light and the darkness. We are people that are called to make a difference. You can make a difference. Today, may we follow Noah's lead. May we be righteous and may we be faithful. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, we give thanks for the way that you have demonstrated such incredible love and faithfulness to us. And as your people, recipients of that love, recipients of all the many gifts that you bestow upon us, we respond. May we be people that live out a part of creation such that the world is reshaped and remade. May others come to truly know who you are through the difference that we ourselves are able to make. And so, Lord, enable us to be faithful and righteous in such a way that we make that difference, that impact upon our family. May we participate along with you in the care of your creation, making a difference. May we make choices and decisions and actions that will be felt for generations. And may we honor you in such a way that it gives you peace and joy. Lord, we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.